2,000 years ago. A wealthy Christian named Theophilus wanted to read a book about Jesus. And so he sponsored a doctor, a meticulous man named Luke, to write that book. And he didn't just give him one book, but two. The book that we call the Gospel of Luke and the second volume of that book, the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke didn't actually see Jesus with his own eyes, but he interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses who saw what Jesus did and heard what Jesus said. And Luke tells one story twice. This is what ancient authors do when they really wanted you to know something. They would tell you the same story twice. And you might think Luke would pick one of the miracles, maybe the feeding of the 5,000. Surely he would tell that story twice. You might think Luke would tell the story of the death of Jesus. Christians are so thankful for the death of Jesus in the way that it covers our sins, but he doesn't tell that story twice. You might think he would tell the, the story of the resurrection. Well, of course, if anything deserves multiple stories, it's the resurrection. But that's not the one either. Luke tells and retells the story of the ascension. It happens 40 days after he's raised from the dead. Jesus spends weeks upon weeks uh, appearing to his disciples and showing them the wounds in his side, showing them the wounds in his hands, proving that he truly was dead, but now he's alive again. He teaches them from scripture. He has meals with them. And then he commands them to wait in Jerusalem, to stay there. Make sure you don't leave because of what's coming next. And I want to read with you what comes next. So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. Uh, we have black Bibles in the Purex in front of you. We'll be on page 947. This is from the book of Acts chapter 1. Page 947. We'll start in verse 4. And while staying with them, Jesus charged his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the disciples had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then, after that incredible mission that he gives to all his disciples, after he blesses them and puts his hands over them, and, and blesses them from, from himself. He leaves. Look at verse 9. It says, And when Jesus had said this, as they were looking on, 
he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. When I read this for the first time, it was like narrative whiplash. I thought, okay, so, so Jesus gives this mission to his disciples, he blesses them, and, and now he's going to work with them. Right? He just died and came back from the dead. Surely he's going to be around for a while. But just over a month passes, and he leaves. He's gone. He's out of sight. And, and so maybe you think, okay, maybe this ascension into heaven is just a quick visit. It's going to pass by very quickly. He's going to come back. He's going to lead the disciples. He's going to be next to them. But if you look at verses 10 and 11, you see that there's no point in staring up. It says, while the disciples were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. This is classic language for angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Jesus is not coming back soon. Don't bother looking up to heaven, you disciples. He's going to appear as unexpectedly and suddenly as he ascended. Now, if you grew up in church, you, you might have heard this story before, but if you didn't, this might seem very strange. Of all the things to do right after Jesus gives this incredibly difficult mission, you'd think that Jesus would stay. Right? They need Jesus to be with them. Right? He would be an incredible uh, evangelist, right? You know, I'm raised from the dead, and if you want any proof, just check out my side. That's all, that's all that they would need. Anytime the disciples wanted to convince anyone else, they would just point to Jesus. Because he'd be right next to them. He'd be right beside them. But he isn't. He leaves. And I, I would think that he would stay. I mean, if I had it my way, he would stay with them. But he doesn't. He leaves. And you think, okay, well, maybe, maybe Luke tells this story. Maybe Luke finds this story interesting. But the rest of the New Testament doesn't talk about this, right? But if you actually read the rest of the New Testament... It, it talks about the ascension more than most other events. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Lord. At the end of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is received up into heaven and sits down at the right hand of God. In John's Gospel, the ascension is all Jesus can talk about. He constantly says, I came from the Father and I'm returning to the Father. St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who constantly talks about Jesus' crucifixion, also talks about his ascension. He talks about Jesus being exalted, sitting at, the, at God's right hand. Paul calls Jesus the man from heaven. Hebrews talks about Jesus passing into heaven. 1 Peter 3 says, Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. The final book of the Bible, Revelation, is all about a vision of Jesus in his current residence, which is heaven. There is no way around this story. And I grew up hearing nothing about this story. I grew up in church and I knew the resurrection was important. 
right? If, if the resurrection didn't happen, my faith was vain, useless. But no one said my faith banked on Jesus going back to heaven. Who, who thinks that's important? Well, apparently, all of the first apostles thought that you had to know where Jesus is now. And so even if, even if you think it's strange, it's true. The apostles keep coming back to this. They keep reminding you where Jesus is. They keep telling you that after the resurrection and after he appeared to the, his disciples, they want you to know that the story just doesn't cut off from there. It doesn't just drop off a cliff. You need to know this truth, that Jesus ascended into heaven. And I guess I get it. Like, earth is not always the best place to live. But Jesus, we need you down here. We need help. I am confronted daily with the reality that it would be better if you were here, Jesus. I'm sure at some point in your life, you have wondered why Jesus did not choose to stay. Wouldn't it be better if he were here and not elsewhere? It's hard to imagine advantages to an absent Jesus. Have you ever been in the midst of suffering and wondered, where is God? Wouldn't it be great if we could say Jesus is right here with us? When you're in your darkest moments, haven't you just wanted to sit at his feet? So why? Why would he leave? Why do the disciples and the apostles and the writers of the New Testament keep coming back to this and keep reminding you, you can't read the New Testament without knowing where Jesus ends up? What finally helped me see that this was actually good news is art. Because early Christians didn't just focus on the ascension more than me, they loved it more than me. I want to show you some, some pieces of art that Christians have made in the past 2,000 years that's all about the ascension. This first one is from 586 AD. It's, it's, it's actually depicted in a copy of the Gospels. You can see Jesus near the top, ascended above his disciples. This is from 8... 50 AD, over 1,200 years ago. This is a manuscript written in a different language, and you can see within that letter, you can see Christ rising, and you can actually see a kind of hand from heaven reaching down and pulling him up. All of these depict Jesus as, as not just lifted up in the air, but larger than life. He takes up half the painting. They keep showing the disciples lifting up their hands in awe and wonder and praise. This one by Rembrandt is one of the few that actually has kind of darker colors, but all the light is centered around who? Jesus. 
with very few exceptions, Christian art all celebrates this. And my reaction is, why? How could this be good news? He's just not here. But the reason why they celebrated the ascension is because they did not see it as a relocation, but as the exaltation of a king. They weren't crying because Jesus was gone. They were celebrating a victory. They would often hold him, or show him holding banners, like he was a king coming back from battle. He had just won against his enemies of sin and death. I love the way that Tim Keller puts it. He says, if Jesus just wanted to return to the Father, he could have just vanished. But instead, at the ascension, Jesus rises up into the clouds and disappears into the distance of the heavens. Why did he do it that way? It may have been for the same reason that we have a coronation ceremony. This is Jesus being coronated as king of everything. His ascension is to show you and me and everyone that he is far above all things. He's conquered his enemies. He didn't stay dead. And if he's truly king, this is incredible. If he's truly king, then all of his subjects would be thinking about what, it's, what life is going to be like in his kingdom. Because when ancient kings came back from battle, they would share the spoils of their victory with their subjects. Paul even uses this language in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, when he, referring to Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. What I thought was, was, a, was a, a savior who was abandoning us is a savior who's showing the world, I am king. I'm king of you. I'm king of you. I'm king of the whole world. And I give gifts to my subjects. And what's the main gift he's going to give? The Holy Spirit. Right? He promises over and over. The Holy Spirit is going to come. What the, what the Father had promised is going to come. I am going to send you what the Father promised. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait there. Stay together. You're going to receive gifts, spoils of the victory of that king over everything. This is not some convenient story to, to tell ourselves that this is why Jesus isn't around. This is the king, and he's giving us his spirit to live within us. Christians actually believe that, that his Holy Spirit dwells within us. Which means that the ascension is not absence, but a new kind of presence. Christ isn't just going to be beside us now because of his Holy Spirit. He's within us. That's better than Christ being beside you. He's living and empowering you from within by his spirit. That's why Christians actually celebrate this every year. The ascent of Christ is good news because it means the descent 
of the Holy Spirit. Christ returned to heaven, not to escape the bad stuff on earth, but to pour out blessings on all of us. While in England, uh, Allison and I got to host a traveling musician while he was on tour, and it was not as cool as it sounds, uh, we had this conversation with him that lasted for hours uh, because he talked the whole time. Uh, and I'm not saying anything about musicians. I'm saying something about this particular one. Uh, he just filled the conversation with his thoughts, one of which was this. He believes that Christ is present only when friends spend time with each other. He said, Christ isn't anywhere in particular. He's just in community. And while I believe that Jesus really can be present anywhere he wants to be, I cannot accept a Christ who's limited to dinner gathering. Christians actually know where Jesus is. We say it every single week that Jesus ascended into heaven. He is there, seated at the right hand of the Father, high and above all things, king of everything, full of power and glory. When someone asks me where Jesus is, we have an answer. And it's not limited to one place and one time. And we know where Jesus is because his first followers actually saw it. I've actually been to the chapel uh, near Jerusalem that actually commemorates the ascension. And it's a tiny chapel. Less than 20 people could actually fit inside of it. And there's a rock in the middle of the room. This is not a joke. There's a rock in the middle of the room marked out is where they think Jesus lifted off. Okay? And look, you don't have to roll your eyes and say, there's no way we know that's the rock. Okay? Christians have been praying there and thanking God for centuries at that spot, not because we desperately need for that rock to be the right rock, but because we know the ascension really happens. He truly is king of everything. And we should learn from the Christians who celebrate it. There are actually Christians in Jerusalem this week who are imitating Christ's walk all the way from Jerusalem up to the Mount of Olives at the top of that hill, and when they get into that chapel, they're going to raise a crucifix through the opening in the church roof to demonstrate that the crucified Jewish rabbi was actually king of everything. He was the Messiah. And they'll celebrate that, and we should too. There's this incredible song that they'll sing. These are the lyrics of this this song that they'll sing at that spot this week. They'll say about Christ, when you did fulfill the dispensation for our sake and unite earth to heaven, you did ascend in glory, O Christ our God, not being parted from those who you love, but remaining with them and crying, I am with you and no one will be against you. I love that that song says, you did ascend but you are not parted from those you love. The ascension is not Christ's absence, but a new kind of presence by his spirit. 
And I love that the disciples don't just relish in this moment. They immediately go to Jerusalem. I love the way Alistair McGrath puts this. He says, after the ascension, the disciples' thoughts return immediately to earth, for there is work to be done. Faith in the ascension does not mean any diminished interest in the world. It, me it means a, new, a renewed commitment to the world. The ascension of Jesus is not our excuse to quit working, to have our minds on the end times, but not now. We are empowered by the Spirit and under the rule of our King. And we fulfill His command to be witnesses. People who believe that, yes, He really is our King. Some Christians put the ascension of Jesus at the center of their churches to remind them we don't rule ourselves. We're ruled by Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ. His work on our behalf, his death and resurrection, his life and teachings and miracles, everything he's done for us. But we never want to forget what he's done in his ascension. That he has shown us he is truly the king of everything. He really is Lord of Lords. But he's not absent. He hasn't abandoned us. We are not left behind. He is present to us in a new way. Thank you. Thank you for showing us. And lifting Jesus up. We pray that all of us see and recognize him for the king that he is. It's in his name we pray. Amen.